most of you probably know who I am. Is there any of the newer folks, I don't want to single you out, but that don't know who I am? Terry doesn't. There's a couple back here that raised their hand. I'll go ahead and introduce myself. It's been a little while that I spoke um, outside of the offering or prayer request or the guy standing back here playing guitar or running around on Sundays like a chicken with my head cut off. So my name is Josh. I am the executive pastor here at the church. Uh, all that means is I do a little bit of everything. Most of the time I don't preach, but this morning you're in for a treat. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And I want to take a second to think, I know Pastor Mike always thanks the choir, always thanks the worship team. Uh, these guys put in a tremendous amount of work. And if you've ever been to another church, we are extremely blessed. These guys are talented. These girls are talented. The vocals are extremely good. The band is always ready. I could walk in on a Sunday morning and say, here's what we're playing, and they'd be ready to go. And that doesn't happen everywhere. So I just want to say thank you. They're all walking around and getting ready to come in service. But from the bottom of my heart, part of my job here at the church is leading the band, not the vocals. You don't want me leading that? But part of my job is leading the band, and they make it extremely easy because they are always willing to do whatever we need, even Terry. Hey, you get a week off. I'm not going to come after you, Terry. Um, is it okay if I just talk to you this morning? What happens typically when I speak is I got this long manuscript of notes I want to stay on verbatim. And because I don't do it all the time, I get nervous and I rush through it and I miss points. But if I can just talk to you like family, I think we'll be all right. Is that okay? Uh, this morning I'm going to stick with, and I was going to title the message Leaping to Conclusions to stick with Pastor Mike's series of Leaping into 2020. But leaping to conclusions never really felt right. Uh, it seems like we're all really good at that. We know how to leap to conclusions. We do it every day. And I'm not interested in highlighting something that we're already good at. I'm interested in highlighting the solution. If we're good at jumping to conclusions, what counters that? So this morning, and so we'll title, if you're, if you're one of those that takes notes in the bulletin, fantastic, we work hard on that. But right now you don't have a title. It's just going to leaping and we'll fill it in later. Uh, my wife is right here, Cecily. She's beautiful. She's way out of my league. But I did it. So <laughs> don't be mad at me. And the Lord has blessed us with two beautiful baby boys. I've got a one-year-old, Shepherd, and he's a daddy junior. We're going to probably fight when he's 16. And then I've got a four-year-old, uh, Shane, and he is like his mama, the good and the better, good and the better. Um, and so I was laying in bed recently, and our four-year-old, Shane, he does a really good job of falling asleep in his bed. And Cecily and I have a, we're blessed and it's needed. God knows that our marriage needs it. We have a king size bed. Because when I go to sleep, I'm about 148 degrees and I don't want anyone touching me. 
Well, my son, he goes to sleep in his bed, and some nights he gets up, go to the bathroom, and he crawls in bed with mom and dad. This night, I couldn't sleep already, and uh, my son's body temperature is a lot like mine, probably hotter because his metabolism is faster. So if water boils at 212 degrees, hell is probably 666 degrees. My son's body temperature is about 450 degrees. And then you combine that with our, with mine. And this night, he, because I'm a big guy, he rolls to my side of the bed. So he's right there, and he slapped up against me. And I'm thinking, this is awful. I can't sleep. I'm frustrated. Has anyone else ever been frustrated, or is it just a pal? Okay. I was frustrated. And I was ready to just get up and go sleep on the couch. And I'm complaining, and God hears me, and he stops me in my tracks. And he says, five years ago, you were praying for this blessing, and now you're complaining about it. How many in this place would say, I've caught myself when God's blessed me with something I've asked for, and then a few few years later, I catch myself complaining about it. There's other examples. Uh, Maybe it's not your kids. Maybe it's your car. Six months ago, you were riding a bike to work, and you said, God, if if I had a car, I could be a better employee. He gives you that car, but that car's not big enough in a couple years. It's not fast enough. I have to do too much work on it. Or maybe you're in an apartment, and you say, if I just had a bigger house, I could grow this family or I could do the things I needed to do and he gives you that house and then in a couple years it's not big enough, it's not nice enough. Maybe it's your spouse. Somebody's having a good time. Maybe it's your spouse and you're lonely and you say, God, if I just had a spouse, I could make this thing work. And he gives you a spouse and then 10 years later, you're complaining about the spouse. Whatever your blessing may have been, Don't be complaining about it. And that's just the direction we're headed. I'm going to change the angle up on you here in a little bit, but you'll stay with me. We're going to read from Acts 9 this morning, and we're going to read quite a bit, because I want you to understand what kind of person Saul was. Uh, We've all heard the story of Saul and becoming Paul. So Saul 9 is, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats, with every breath, was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Not just imprison them, he was eager to kill them. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers. And that any is important on the way he found there. He wanted to bring them both, men and women. Saul didn't care. In this time, you didn't arrest women. Women didn't go to prison. But Saul was so eaten up that he didn't care. If you believed in Jesus as the Messiah, he was going to arrest you. And he wanted to bring him back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down. And this is where we all usually come in. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? How many of us have done that before? We ask like we don't know. God tells you to do something. Who's telling me to do this? It's the Lord. 
And even in your sin, you have to acknowledge his sovereignty. Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city. You will be told what to do or what you must do. And then the men with Saul stood up speechless. They heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. Are there any believers here this morning? All right. You may want to be careful raising your hand. Yes, Lord, he replied. Or the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, these letters are in red. They're not going to be on the screen, but in my Bible, they're in red, and those matter. Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. So the Lord is saying to do this. And the believer says, but Lord, explain Ananias. I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Has anybody else done that when the Lord says, do this? But Lord, it's your, this is what I'm calling you to do. But Lord. So that's what Ananias is doing here. And the Lord says, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles. Basically saying, this is not up to you. This is my instrument. This is my message. You do what I've called you to do. He's going to take the message to the Gentiles and the kings, as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And I highlighted this I, because sometimes we as believers like to get involved in God's business. But God, do you know what they've done? Do you know who they are? Do you know what they did to me? They can't be saved. They can't be the chosen one. It's not your business. It's his message. I will show them how much they have to suffer for my name's sake. And I feel like we're seeing it more and more where we as believers can feel like we have the right to say, but Lord, do you know? Yeah, he knows. I promise you he knows. And we quickly forget the scripture in Romans 3.23 that says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. That all includes me. It includes you. But it seems to be something that happens in the longevity of a believer. Where we say, I've arrived. I read my Bible every day. I'm on the worship team. I even take offering when they ask me to. This person can't be what God's wanting to use. It can't be right. But where were you when God pulled you out? Where were you when God reached down to you and caught you right in your mess and said, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I love you and I want to use you. And as a church, I don't want us to forget that. It's a common misconception that Saul became Paul when he had his encounter with Jesus. 
And I want to tell you, it's not true. Saul didn't just change the minute he did with his character. He didn't change in his identity. The, the believers of the time or the Pharisees, whatever you want to call them, they were chasing him out of town because they were so scared of him. They didn't want to believe that God had done something in his life. So Saul was still Saul when he got baptized with the Holy Spirit. He was still Saul when he fled because the Jews were now trying to murder him for preaching the gospel. He was still Saul when he returned to Tarsus, his hometown, to preach the gospel. Matter of fact, he is still Saul all the way until, let's see, that happened in Acts 9. So we can flip over to Acts 13. 9, 10, 11, 12, still Saul. And then in 13, we see, and he's moved locations at this point. So Saul finally becomes Paul. And it's not anything that God did. It's because he's in a new place. It's a Latin area. And they translated Saul into Paul. And the Paul that we know comes from that. And it's stuck. But oftentimes, we expect Christians to have this instant change around us because they've encountered Jesus. We hold them to this standard that's impossible. Well, if I can do it, well, you've believed in God for 20 years. If so-and-so can do it, well, they've even believed in God for 10 years. And it's almost like when they, we do it so that when they fail, we can say, see, told you so. They weren't the chosen one. I'm still doing good. Not them. They weren't really saved in the first place. And I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about pop culture. And you say, not in church. Well, it's popular culture. And if we're not looking at popular culture, we have no idea what's going on in the world we're trying to reach. And when I, I'm trying to preface this, I don't want to feel like I'm attacking the church. When I say the church, I'm talking about the church as a whole, not this church specifically. Our message goes way wider than these doors. There may be 150 people in here on Sunday, but we've had 4,500 people listen to our podcast. Okay? So don't feel attacked by any of this. I'm, I want us to spread this message in love. So with celebrities, it's like, uh, it's okay. They're off limits. I don't know them. They're not a person to me. They are. But to us, we feel like in the Christian faith, the people that believe are sometimes the worst. And I'm going to use a few examples that I know about. Uh, Justin Bieber. Anybody know who that is? Yeah. He led worship at Coachella. And the first group to come out and say, eh, hold on, was the Christians. Is he called? Does he have a right to be leading worship? Alice Cooper, rock star, proclaims Christ as king and says, if it weren't for his relationship with God, I would still be in my lifestyle of drugs and alcohol, and I probably wouldn't be here. The first group to come out, believers. Say, so, yeah, we'll see. Hold on just a second. Demi Lovato gets baptized in the Jordan River after nearly dying of an overdose. She finds God and wants to get baptized in the Jordan River. Believers come out and say, ah, it's political. She's making a political statement. No relationship there. The most recent one, Kanye West, 
If you look his name up with his album, there's article after article after article. Church divided. Some say it's okay, some say it's not. Is he authentic? Is this real? Who cares? His tour bus says Jesus is king on the side of it, and it's rolling around every big city in the United States. Who cares what he's, and I get it. Well, we want it to be a genuine message. So do I, but God used a donkey. It's not our place to judge him. It's not our place to judge her. You hear it, we see, we'll see, I don't buy it. You remember when Kanye did this? You remember when his wife did that? And I don't want that to be our church. I don't want it to be us. I want people to walk in here and have life change and nobody question it and we just celebrate. My biggest problem with all of this, and this ties back into the blessing, I feel like we've been praying for revival for 30 years. God's in revival. God's in revival. Where is it at? Where's revival? It's happening, and we're missing it. We're so busy questioning the messenger instead of glorifying the God that we're missing the revival. It doesn't look like it did 20 years ago in a tent in Brownsville or in a church in Brownsville. They still have those. They're not revival meetings anymore. They're called conferences. You can go to Orange in Georgia and have a revival meeting. It's called a conference. You can go to Elevation Church. You can have a revival meeting. It's called a conference. The definition of revival, an awakening in a church or community, an increase of interest in or care for the matters relating to personal religion. These people have platforms that some of us could only dream of, and they're spreading the gospel. Every venue Kanye rents out says Jesus is king on the header. Every tour bus he rents says Jesus is king. Every album downloaded says Jesus is king. Jesus is being proclaimed from the rooftops, and we're so busy arguing and complaining that we're missing it. Either his grace is sufficient or it's not. Either he can save everyone or he can save no one. It's not our place to determine someone else's relationship or spiritual status. It's our place to glorify the King of Kings and celebrate when his name is lifted high. We should be rejoicing with these people with platforms some of us could dream of, like I said earlier. That's why I didn't title this message Leaping to Conclusions. We do that really well. Whether it's a celebrity or whether it's somebody here in the local church, we can tell you what they do better than they can tell you what they do. I want us to start leaping with love. If we're going to title this, title it Leaping with Love. Remember that today. Don't jump to the conclusions. Leap with love first. The rest is going to work itself out in the wash. I'm not saying we have to let our guard down and let anything through your spiritual filter. That's not what I'm saying at all. I am saying you don't have to comment publicly about every little thing you don't agree with. If it doesn't glorify God, 
Why are you saying it? Social media has made this rampant. I see it regularly with politics and the election. One side says Trump is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes through America except through him. And the other side says Trump is the Antichrist, he's the devil himself, he's a liar. One side says Jesus was an immigrant, and the other side says Jesus would have done it legally. And we're all complaining. And the whole time we're missing it. Kanye's bus just drove by and it says Jesus is king and we're so busy arguing about this stuff that we're missing the point. Glorify God in all things. Let everything else work itself out. It doesn't matter. You don't have to voice your opinion. What happened to faith? Is it in Jesus or is it in the president? Is it in border patrol or is it in Jesus? What happened to the faith we're supposed to have? Let's put it in Jesus. Let's pray out our vote and forget about everything else. You don't have to have your voice heard just because you have a platform of 436 people on Facebook. And if you're going to post something, glorify God with it. And I get to say all this because Pastor Mike doesn't have a social media account. So this is what you get. I don't want to miss the revival. At the end of the day, the, bre the blessing we've been praying for is happening, and we're too busy fighting to see it. So how do we train ourselves to enjoy it? I would say we celebrate the victories. There's a new song out right now, um, and we love it. My son, the four-year-old that is 900 degrees, he sings it. And it's all about celebrating the victories. And the battle's not yours. Whatever the devil intended for evil, he's turned it for good already. So if we celebrate those victories, it makes it much easier not to focus on all the negative junk that's going around. The fact that the message is being spread, shared globally is a victory for the entire church. Not just here, but what are you doing? What part are you taking in that? Are you hurting the message? Are you improving the message? Are you weakening the message? Or are you strengthening the message? Every post you make, every comment you make, is doing one of those two things. It's either strengthening or weakening the message that's being spread. We have to be better at taking a minute to acknowledge the victories. I know little things about a lot of the people in this church. They're dealing with them privately and they're fighting. You have no idea the struggle that some of these people are going through. They don't care about the president. They care about tomorrow. They don't care about what you're mad about, the football team. They wanna make sure that they're gonna to see tomorrow, that their kid's gonna to see tomorrow that their kid's going to come back to Christ because they've raised them correctly and they've so far gone that it's questionable. There's real things that need celebrated. And if we focus on that, it makes it so easy to ignore the rest. We need to be better at taking a minute to acknowledge those victories. January is the month of new beginnings. 
We could have made that our series title and it would have been super cliche. But we went with leaping into 2020 because it's a leap year. With January being the month of new beginnings, it's a blessing when someone has a new beginning. That's the only reason we do what we do is to strengthen the body, the longtime believers and the new ones. I don't want to be a country club for the saints. I want to be a hospital for the hurting. I love it that we have so many people that are faithful and regular. But I want to see God show up. And I want you to know that your new beginning may not look like someone else's new beginning. And that's okay. They didn't come from where you came from. But I refuse to let our church become the church that questions the new beginning instead of celebrates the new beginning. You want to see revival in this house? Start celebrating new beginnings. And be extremely careful when you're judging someone else's new beginning. Because you never know when you'll need another one. I've been in ministry a fairly long time. And I've seen it all. I've seen the ministry head. I've seen the elder. I've seen the person on the back row, the person on the front row. It falls out of grace. And it wasn't Jesus pulling it back because he doesn't do that. At one point I was there. I had been in ministry a long time. And I had it up to here. And I said, no, I'm good. I'm going to do it on my own. And I quickly realized, sitting in a car lot, managing at 24, that God said it's not about the money. Until you do what I've called you to do, you're never going to be happy. And I called the next day and talked to the ministry leaders I had grown up with, and I ended up here. So when you say, ah, we'll see, you better believe when you fall out, there's going to be somebody saying, ah, we'll see. This morning as we close, if you say, I haven't ever, I've never made the decision to make Jesus the the Lord of my heart. And you want to today, all I ask is quickly raise your hand if that's you, if you've never made that decision. And maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, I've known about God my whole life, but I've stepped away and I need another new beginning. Whatever that may be, just quickly raise your hand. Okay, I see you. I see you. And yes, this is between you and God. I didn't ask you to bow your head and close your eyes on purpose because if we're ashamed of him before men, he'll be ashamed of us before his father. It's that easy to proudly proclaim, I'm nothing without him. I do it week in and week out. And as the elders come forward, if you raised your hand, You'll come down in just a minute when they start singing. And let's start today celebrating the new beginnings. It's a blessing. Revival is happening, and I do not want to miss it. Would anybody agree with that? It may look different. It may be in 30-second clips on Facebook or a 15-minute video on YouTube or a two-page blog online. If you want revival meetings, they're there. 
I'd like to have one here because we have so many new believers that we can't contain them and we have to celebrate. Let's pray together, everybody bow your heads. Father God, I praise you for this church that can take a message like this today and realize it's not all about them. That the church doesn't stop outside these walls, but it can start inside these walls. And if we begin to change our behavior and change the way we act and change the way we respond, that it's a ripple effect in the church community. But it has to start somewhere. I pray that you would train us to leap with love before we leap to conclusions. And that we would celebrate the blessings and not forget where they came from. That you would stop us in our tracks when we start complaining about the things we asked for. And the thing we want most is revival. We want to see change in people's hearts, not actions. We want to see them change in their heart and the rest will follow. I pray that you would strengthen everyone in this place as they leave and that the message doesn't end here, but it's something that we put into practice when we leave here. I thank you for our church and the blessing that they are to us and the community and the world. And I pray that you would return that blessing on them, on their finances, on their marriage, on their employment, that they would be blessed in every aspect of life. In your name we pray. Amen. Guys, I love you, and I love you deeply. I would not be able to do what I do, nor would I want to, if there weren't people sitting in these seats. Like I said, if God doesn't show up and you don't show up, there's no reason to be here. What I do want to see is you guys bring somebody with you. I don't want to be a country club. I want to be a hospital. I love you guys. If you raise your hand and you want to come pray with someone, come on. Everybody else? Hang out and talk or go home, go eat lunch. I love you and we'll see you next week. Thank you.